All right, we'll look at tonight at 1 John chapter 1. So turn there in your Bibles, 1 John chapter 1. Um, 1 John chapter 1 is one of the chapters that uh, we had to, we had to memorize, I had to memorize when I was, when I was a little boy. We had to memorize the, the whole chapter. And, uh, it was a blessing just to, to memorize that and to get grounded in God's truth and what that has done for me um, over the years to, to memorize and to think of um, the fellowship that Christ brings us into. Um, look at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Um, you really can go to verse 1 and 2 of the next chapter as well. My little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So those verses I just read don't mention the word prayer at all. But prayer is contingent on these verses in this way. We can't pray to God if we don't have fellowship with God and if we aren't in right fellowship with each other. We can't commune and pray to God if, we, if that fellowship that we have has been broken between us and God or sin between us, between one another. But we can confess our sin and renew that fellowship. If we confess our sins, it says in verse 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we come in prayer tonight, um, we're reminded that we need to be for real and be right with God and have that fellowship. I've always made a distinction in my mind between fellowship and relationship. Relationship that we have with God has been perma permanently established for us when when Christ died on the cross, when the Holy Spirit called us to repent, to turn from our sin, and to trust in Jesus, we became his children, the children of God, the sons of God. Because of that, we're also brought into fellowship with God. So we have ongoing fellowship. We have relationship with him and fellowship. So the way I describe relationship is we're born into relationship. But then we can fall out of fellowship because of sin. We talk about that on, on Communion Sunday, is that if there's any sin that we need to confess, let's get that right with God, get that right with each other, and then come 
and worship God and fellowship together. <clears throat> the relationship doesn't, is, is not torn apart um, because that's established for us forever. But our fellowship with God is something that we have to maintain constantly and, and regularly. So he says in verse 5, um, or verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Um, <coughs> it reminds me of John 13, what Jesus said to Peter. He had washed the disciples' feet, and he was coming to Peter, and Peter said, no, no, no. Don't wash my feet. I should be washing your feet. Then Jesus said something surprising to him. If I don't wash your feet, you're none of mine. And Peter was like, well, in that case, wash my whole body. Wash all of me. And he says, no, you who have bathed don't have a need to be washed except for your feet. So in other words, our sins are forgiven. We have relationship with God. Um, but we have to maintain that fellowship, that feet washing. We have to maintain that purity just by a right fellowship with him. And so um, I think he, he's, he's pointing to that here as well. If you remember 1 John, one of, the, one of the words is my little children. One of the phrases, my little children. He's writing to the children of God, to those in faith. <clears throat> so he says we need to, we need to be careful about our fellowship uh, and, and what we and how we live, so that we can have that right uh, fellowship with God. Verse seven. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I was told long ago the Greek pray, uh, the Greek tense there cleanses is a continual. He's cleansing and keeps on cleansing us from our sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So even as believers, we have sin present in our life. And to, to deny that is to deceive ourselves. So it's interesting. He's talking to believers and he's talking about sin. And he's talking about fellowship and, and being right. And having connection with each other in, in a wholesome and in a good way. So if we say we have no sin, verse 9, excuse me, verse 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is a, this is a purification cleansing that God um, does for us continually as we ask him to do that. Uh, I hope that part of your devotion um, each day is that, Lord, purify me, make me right, prepare me for the task that you have, make me uh, ready to receive instruction from you, make me ready to, to walk in obedience to whatever you show me to do. I think sometimes in our lives we get so used to, um, I mean, like for me, it's clear what I should do this day. It's not like I have something totally new to do today. I, I need to wake up and just go at my regular tasks. And sometimes because of that, that uh, regular pattern, it's easy to forget to purposely pray. Lord, help me do the regular things that I do every day in obedience to you. Help me to, to, to walk in that dependency on you. <clears throat> 
All right. So this forgiveness that God does, he provides that for us as believers. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. And that's good to know that um, we don't have to bear the guilt of our sin. I, I, was, I was teaching at, um, a chapel service earlier today, and was, I was talking um, about uh, Genesis chapter 3 and how Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they felt it necessary. First of all, they said they knew they were naked. You know, whenever you talk about naked in front of kids, it's like, whoo, 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 And I understand that. And I tell them why. I said, but, but you have to understand the nakedness there shows that um, they were uncomfortable with who they are before themselves and before God because now they had sin that hadn't been dealt with. They never had that happen in their life before where they had sin. And now they had sin and it hadn't been dealt with. And they were naked and they were ashamed and they felt guilt and shame and all of that. And um, God dealt with that. My point is this, is that as Christians, if we bear our own sin, then we have that guilt and that shame that we don't have to walk with. We don't have to hold on to. We can confess to God and be cleansed of that and renew that fellowship with him and that fellowship with one another. So I just just a, a gentle, um, short reminder that that's a daily thing that we do. Lord, cleanse me. Prepare me for the work that you have for me to do. And uh, let me walk in, 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 in your, let me walk in fellowship with you. And so the burden of our sin should be regularly lifted off or, or cleansed off of us so that we can walk the way that God wants us to walk. He reminds us in this passage as believers, we still have to deal with our sin. We still have to deal with sin. We can't say that, oh, I don't have any sin anymore. We still have to deal with it. But he gives us the way to deal with it. It's still through Jesus Christ. It's through what he has done for us. And so we ought never to forget uh, what Christ has done. And the fellowship that we have with God because of that and the fellowship that we have with each other, a guiltless, a guiltless fellowship, a freedom to, to interact with each other in wholesome and holy ways. And so that's what, that's what we have. Think about our name, Sweet Communion, what God wants us to have with each other and with him. All right, let me pause there and turn it over to uh, Elder Brian. Last time that we were in the Gospel of John, we saw Peter deny Jesus three times. The Gospel of John is written so that we might believe. And we have just had this part where Jesus was imparting what his disciples, his teachers. And then after that, he gets be Now we got Peter denying him three times. Now Jesus is alone. So we'll start at chapter 18, verse 19. We'll read a bit into 19. 
Then they led Jesus from the house of Cephas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and talked and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom of was, were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. My kingdom is not from the world. And Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in you. But you have a custom that I should release one man from you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, king of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the son of God. Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? And Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you have no authority over me at all, unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic it was Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Is that these men, they stand outside Pilate's house because they won't go in there. Why won't they go in there? Because they don't want to be ceremonially unclean. 
was never ceremonially unclean. And there's another go to a man's house and heal him. He was a Gentile. What makes them ceremonially unclean to go to a Gentile's house? Is there any Old Testament scripture that makes that true? the book of racism. That's what it is. Okay? So that's not a thing. So they have this thing where they don't they don't like the Gentiles. They do not submit to Gentile authority. But then, look at the last thing they said that we read. We have no king but Caesar. Hypocritical. You won't even go into a Gentile's house. But you claim this is your king. are the people who held a false trial in the middle of the night, claimed to be obeying the law, but they won't even go. They'll keep themselves pure so they can keep Passover, but they're getting rid of the sacrificial Passover lamb. Now, Pilate comes to the Jews quite a few times. They first come to him, and then he comes to them three times. remarkable because in some ways this is a contrast and sometimes in some way I guess not a contrast it's a parallel with Peter right Peter denies three times what he knows to be true Pilate talks to the Jews and he has four conversations with them and they deny what they know to be true the first thing he says is what accusation do you bring against this man second thing that happens is he says you want to release this man? What has he done? They said not this man but Barabbas. So then he beats Jesus and he says I'm bringing out to you to know that you will know that I find no guilt in him. They say crucify him. say he's an enemy of the state. Crucify him on those grounds. So they're twisting the law. When you look at it, really, there's only three characters in these this section. There's Pilate, there's the Jews, and there's Jesus. And Jesus pretty much speaks the least. I mean, the narration is really strong. passion. There's this back and forth battle that's going on. I want to suggest this. A few things. First off is this. When people do things that don't make sense, there's often somebody spiritual in the background pulling the strings. Who's pulling the strings here? It's Satan. It's amazing to me in about 2004 we passed a state amendment against gay marriage. Can you even find somebody who's against gay marriage nowadays? How did the minds change that fast? Something spiritual happened. Something spiritual happened. Satan was like, no, no, y'all okay with this? He makes it so appealing. 
it even puts a pressure on believers. Believers be like, man, should I say something? I don't want to be a monster. I don't want to be that one guy that hates people. He puts this pressure on you, this spiritual pressure. The Jews did that to Pilate. Pilate knows it's wrong. But I also want you to note when Jesus conversates with Pilate, it's an interesting conversation. And you could say it's a very compassionate conversation. You might think that in verse 11 is defiant, but when you look at Pilate's reaction, you can tell that that's not what happened. If you read verse 11, he says, you have no authority over me at all. You might say, ooh, Jesus being a rebel. I don't think that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus was like this, Pilate. I know you're in a spot. I know you're in a spot. But God put you in a spot. And I know everybody wants you to do this. No matter how much the Jews hate him, they can't stone Jesus. They can't kill him in a way that wouldn't fulfill the scriptures, no matter how much. Because ultimately, who's in control? This is a passage really about God's control. Look at all the control words that happen in this. He says, if this was my kingdom, we would be fighting. But I'm not. You don't have any authority at all. God gave it to you. You say I'm a king. And I am. You don't take my life. Even though he is innocent, he is not a helpless victim. He's a willing sacrifice. But that also doesn't take away the schemes of men that we see in this passage. God is able to use the schemes of men to accomplish his own. Nothing can stop the plans of God. Everything gets turned into the will of God's will. You could try to oppose it. You're going to end up finding out. You're just a ramp that God is rolling on. He's still going to go where he's going. Amen.